Hi everyone. Welcome to a new era. I am starting my first podcast. Um, this one in particular, I'm going to be talking about the NFL. Um, things I'm excited for next year. Um, I'm you know excited for the NFL. Well, I'm restless. Can't wait for it to start back up again. But I don't know how things are really going to play out with the coronavirus. Um, so I have everything written down. I just I want to make sure I get all the stats right. So there's going to be a little bit of a break on here. I'll edit it out probably. But between all the divisions, so between the AFC North, AFC East, all the way down to the NFC West. Um, these are just some things that I'm excited to see how they play out next year for each individual franchise and how they're going to deal with it. So I want to start off by talking about the Steelers. Um, so last year, um, the Steelers inquired, um, Minka Fitzpatrick. He played 14 games for them. Um, in those 14 games, he had five interceptions, right? Which in his two years in Miami, he had two interceptions. Um, he had pick sixes in both places, um, nine passes defended in both places and one forced fumble in both places. But I think it's important to remember that in Miami, he played for two seasons. Um, and then in Pittsburgh, he played for one. Um, he had two fumble recoveries in his one year at Pittsburgh, one fumble recovery at his two years in Miami. Uh, one touchdown off of fumble recoveries in Pittsburgh. Uh, one quarterback hit off his year in Pittsburgh. Um, one tackle for loss off his year in Pittsburgh. Uh, he had 69 tackles, 44 solos, 25 assisted, and that's comparing it to his two years in Miami in which he had 80 combined tackles, 51 solo tackles, 29 assisted tackles. Um, there's this average value number, and or an approximate value number, and it's an attempt to kind of attach one single number to every player throughout their season. So for his two years in Miami, his approximate value was four, and in his one team and his one season in Pittsburgh, his approximate value was 19. And in this year at Pittsburgh, he was selected to a Pro Bowl and a first team All Pro. This improvement um, that Minko Fitzpatrick's shown is incredible, I think. And I think it's something that I'm really looking forward to watch uh, as the Steelers compete for an AFC playoff berth in a division with the Bills, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, Texans, and then the Broncos slash Jets. I want to see how both of those teams will play up, but we'll get to that later. The Browns. Browns are an interesting franchise, right? They have a phenomenal football team talent-wise. But they can't really mesh together with their chemistry, which resulted in a lackluster season. So one thing I'm excited to see for next year is how they overcome their personal problems or if those destroy them and Baker Mayfield. So last year, Mayfield had a pretty good season, right? Not as good as his 2018 season, I don't think, but he had a good season. He threw for 60% completion, 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Uh, his touchdown rating, so or his touchdown percentage, so for every pass he threw, there was a 4.1% chance he threw a touchdown, and his interception rating was 3.9%, so not good. His QB rating went down from a 93.7 to a 78.8. He threw about 239 yards a game, sacked 40 times, which is 15 more than last season, had one fourth quarter comeback, three last year, uh, and by last year, I mean the 2018 season, one game winning drive, four last year. Uh, he, he he had an okay season, right? Miles Garrett was good. Um, he got taken out week ten against the Steelers when he decided to boink Mason Rudolph on the head. But in that season, he was on track for a record year, right? He had ten sacks in ten games, so that's a sack a game. That's better than his thirteen and a half sack season in twenty eighteen when he was selected to the Pro Bowl. He had twenty nine combined tackles, twenty solo, nine assisted, and eleven tackles for loss, which is one less. 
than the entire full season that he played the year before that in 2018. Uh, he had 18 QB hits, right? So I want to make it very clear that I think the Browns have a phenomenal team, right? Their talent is incredible. Nick Chubb, star running back. Baker Mayfield, he can be good. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham Jr., Miles Garrett, right? They have all the pieces, I think. But by removing their own personal ambitions and problems and working together as a team for one single united goal, also known as the Super Bowl, I think they can shoot for the stars. And by that, they can have a very successful 2020-2021 campaign. Ravens, post-MVP Lamar. So last year, Lamar dominated the regular season, right? I don't really think that there's any debating of that. He had 401 completions, or no, 401 attempts, uh, 265 completions, threw for 66.1%, 36 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, his touchdown percentage. So every time he threw a ball, it was a 9% chance he threw a touchdown. His rating average was 113.3, threw about 208 yards per game, sacked 23 times, a one-fourth quarter comeback, one two-game winning drives. He had a really good season, right? Phenomenal season. MVP, right? No one's denying that, though I think Russell Wilson was up there. Nonetheless, Lamar won unanimous MVP. Absolute bullshit, but, you know, whatever. And I don't think he should have, right? I think Russia should have gotten a couple of votes, but I still think Lamar should have taken it altogether. Then... Postseason Lamar came. He had the bye. He was rested. He was coming up against a Tennessee team that had recently just upset the Patriots. And how does he do? Two interceptions, one touchdown, throws 59 times, completed 50% of his pass, 52% of his passes. His interception rate, so the percentage of times intercepted when attempting to pass was twice as much as his touchdown rate 63.2 percent rate or 63.2 rating through c 365 yards four sacks he was flustered i mean i hate to admit it but he just wasn't that comfortable in that type of environment per se not regard moving on with the addition of Calais campbell and another year of experience under spell i'm really looking forward to seeing what the post-MVP Lamar can bring to this extraordinarily talented Ravens team. Like, I think they could win it all. They just, Lamar has to do better. Bengals, Joe Burrow. So last year, oh my God. Last year, the Bengals won a solid 2-14, and 14, securing themselves with the first pick in the draft. Which, with this pick, they'll most likely be picking Joe Burrow, an LSU phenomenon um, who dominated last year. Um... He threw 76.3% of his passes, 5,671 yards, 60 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, a quarterback rating of 202 out of 238, uh, threw about 10.8 yards per attempt. Uh, yeah, he dominated, right? He broke so many records um, in the game against Oklahoma. He just did really well. The Bengals, on the other hand, they're the opposite of Burrow, right? So... Uh, their top players were Dalton in passing, Joe Mixon in rushing, Tyler Boyd in receiving. Their offensive rank was 30th in points, 26 in yards, and then their defensive rank was 25th in points and 29th in yards. Um, they they did really bad. Right, they were two and 14th. They were last in this AFC North division, uh, and their team, their squad was led by none other than the Red Rifle or the Ginger Beast, Andy Dalton, who played 13 games. Had 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, threw for about 3,500 yards. 
quarterback rating of 78.3, the lowest of his career. Sacked 37 times, the fourth most of his career. No game-winning drives, no fourth-quarter comebacks. Um, Yeah, right? So not that good of a season. However, with weapons like John Ross II, who completely tore up my Seattle defense, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon, a star playmaker like Burrow can make this team really interesting to watch in this upcoming season. All right, AFC East, let's discuss. Uh, so the Bills, right? I want to see if they can be more than a wild card team and how they're going to do with Stefan Diggs. So uh, for the for most of his career, Stefan Diggs has played on the Vikings his entire career. He was taken in 2015. Uh, in that time, he's had 4,623 receiving yards, 210 first downs, 30 touchdowns. Uh, he catches about 68.4% of all the passes thrown towards him, has averaged about 66.0 yards per game, uh, and gets about 8.7 yards per target. Now, last year, he caught six touchdowns, caught 67% of the passes, had about 75.3 yards per game, his highest. Uh, 12 yards per target, also his highest, as he played and started in 15 games while catching for 1,130 yards. This is good, right? And he's traded to the Bills, right? And last year, the Bills, they were a defensively dominated team. Their defensive rank was second in points and third in yards, and their offensive rank was 23rd in points and 24th in yards. And throughout this time, they were headed by Josh Allen, right? A prospect that I really liked coming out of um, Wyoming into the league, and he's doing okay, I think. So, in 2019, he went 10 and 6. Their first year's season where they won 10 games, uh, he started 16 games, completed 58.8% of the passes through for a bit over 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, uh, yards per game about 193.1, QB rating of 85.3, sacked about 38 times. Four fourth quarter comeback and five game winning drives with an approximate value of 11. So the Bills, they made it to the wild card round, where in an v- extremely confusing overtime loss, um, they were defeated by the Texans, in which the defense was okay. And then Alex had some Russell Wilson type plays where he was phenomenal, and then some Josh Allen types plays when he was very shaken up and confused. By adding Diggs, another playmaker, someone who's been in the league for a while, and keeping your young core solid defense i think the bills can surprise people and make it to the division around and possibly going further given and this is a big given given that they don't blow up and catastrophically fail the dolphins division without brady and heat going into the next season so the dolphins uh they won their last two games of the season um last year they had ryan fitzpatrick as their lead passer and rusher so well that kind of speaks for them they were 25th in points 27th in yards offensively their defensive rank was 32nd in points and 30th in yards they were the worst team in the league defensively regarding points they also um in a division without brady i think they can do a bit better but i'm not ready to say they're playoff bound yet they have the number five pick. Maybe they take Justin Herbert. Maybe they take another Bama safety like they did with Minka Fitzpatrick, although history would prove that he's doing much better on another team with them and that he hated Miami. So maybe they take Isaiah Simmons, but that might be a bit high for him. I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see how they play it out, especially with this draft upcoming in 10 days. 
Patriots, this is a team that most people are very excited to hear what they're going to do for next year, but I'm kind of hesitant to report about. Um, so last year, right, the Patriots, they were 7th in points, 15th in yards. They lost in a wild card to Tennessee. Their defensive rank was number one in points, number one in yards. Right? So defensively, they were the best team in the league last year. I don't think anyone's questioning that. They, you know, had a phenomenal defense the entire went through. Brady. So in his entire career in New England, Tom Brady's thrown for 6,000, or no, he's thrown for 74,571 yards, 541 touchdowns, 179 interceptions. He has an average rating of 97.0. He's sacked 500 times. 36 fourth quarter comebacks, 45 game-winning drives. Throws about, throws about 261.7 yards per game. Wow. I'm not sure what Belichick's going to do without Brady. He could put Hoyer behind center. He could put Jared Stidham behind center, a kid that I really like. But nonetheless, I think that his departure will not only have massive implications on this Patriots team who don't really have a number one wide receiver, who don't really have a number one tight end, who don't really have a number one running back, with a lot of players leaving, that I think they kind of flipped. And I think that this is really going to shake things up throughout the league, and it's going to be super interesting to watch, although I don't watch them. The Jets, Sam Darnold. Um, Right, I watched Sam Donald play a game in college against Cal, and in that game I watched a solid NFL prospect make some incredible throws that showed his true arm stick, and also three throws, or four throws that should have been picks. One of them was an actual interception. Uh, he got taken to the Jets, and in his two seasons there, he has gone a combined 11-15 and 15 record, completed 60% of his passes for 5,889 yards, a 6.9 yards per attempt, 36 touchdowns, 28 interceptions, um, sacked 6.9% of all the times, average rating of 81.1, three fourth quarter comebacks, two game linear drives. However, in the distance between his 2018 and 2019 year, I kind of want to compare them, right? So in his 2018 year, he had 2,865 yards, and in his 2019 year, 3,024 yards. His 2018 year, he went 4-9 and nine in 13 games, his 2019 year, he went 7-6 and six in 13 games. His 2018 year, he completed 57.7% of all the passes. His 2019 year, he completed 62% of all the passes. His 2018 year, he had 17 touchdowns and 15 interceptions uh, with a touchdown percentage of every throw of 4.1 and an interception percentage of every throw at 3.6. His 2019 year, he threw 17 touchdowns, so two more. 13 interceptions, so two less. His touchdown percentage for every throw was 4.3. His interception percentage throw was 2.9. His yards per game went up about 11.8 yards per game as he went from 220.4 in 2018 to 232.6 in 2019. His QB rating went from a 77.6 to an 84.3. He had two fourth quarter comebacks, three game-winning drives. Uh, he was sacked a bit more in 2019, but only three sacks. This progression is insane, right? To make this large of a jump between your first and your second season playing for the Jets is really, really cool, really fun, and really awesome, right? So he threw two more touchdowns. He threw two less interceptions. On this train, I think he'll throw about 21, 22 touchdowns and about 10 or 11 interceptions next year. Um, and if you keep this, and if you manage to keep this up, 
I think the Jets are in a really, really good spot for their future. All right, let's discuss the AF, uh, the AFC South. So for the Texans, I'm excited to see how Watson does without D-Hop, right? So last year, the Texans were really portrayed by Watson and Hopkins as Clowney moved to Seattle, Matthew was with Kansas City, and J.J. Watt uh, only played half a season for them. This shows their offensive rank was 14th in points, 13th in yards. Their defensive rank was 19th in points and 28th in yards. And despite only playing for eight games, J.J. Watt, um, had 24 tackles, he had four sacks, uh, one forced fumble, three passes defended, 21 QB hits, um, you know, not a the great season. Despite that, Deshaun Watson had an okay season, right? He was selected to the Pro Bowl, played 15 games, uh, completed 67.3% of, of all his passes, threw for 3,852 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, uh, had about 256.8 yards per game, a QB rating of 98.0, uh, sacked 44 times, um, four or three fourth quarter comebacks, and five game winning drives. Despite this, the Texans made it to the divisional where they lost to the future Super Bowl winners in a game where they gave up 51 and blew a 24 lead. Deshaun Watson. With Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins was their leading receiver, um, and since he's been in the league since 2014, has been the Texans' leading receiver. Uh, last year, he selected to a Pro Bowl and first-team All-Pro, his third year in a row doing that, where he caught for 1,165 yards, seven touchdowns, caught 69.3% of all the passes thrown his way, 77.7 yards per game, about 7.8 yards per target, um, and about... Um, and he caught 104 passes. Despite the obvious need for their defense, a Texans team without D-Hop and with David Johnson and his contract should be very interesting to watch as Watson must look to throw to Fuller and Co. in order to succeed next year. Titans, another underdog playoff push, plus D. Henry and Ryan Tannehill. So the Titans resigned Ryan Tannehill to a four-year, $118 million contract, cementing him as their lead man, rightfully so. After a 2020 postseason in which Tennessee upset both New England and Baltimore before falling to Kansas City in the AFC Championship and a remarkable playoff run, where in that run, Tannehill had 201 completions uh, out of 286 yards. He threw for 2,742 yards. Uh, oh, no, 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 my bad, my bad. Uh, he threw for 369 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, uh, sacked five times, uh, interception rate of 1.7, touchdown rate of 8.3, 123 yards per game, and a rating of 98.5. Along with that, they had Derrick Henry. Uh, phenomenal year. He was selected to the Pro Bowl for the first time in his career. Uh, 16 rushing touchdowns, uh, 1,540 yards, 303 rushing attempts, 102 yards per game uh, for receptions. He caught 18 receptions out of 24 targets, 206 receptions, two touchdowns, uh, receiving long of 75 yards. He caught about 75% of all his passes. However, come playoff time, he dominated with uh, three games. He had 446 rushing touchdowns, or 446 rushing yards with two touchdowns, uh, about 150 yards per game. Receiving, he uh, caught all of his passes, reception for 21 yards. Uh, his total yards were 88 touches, uh, 5.3 yards per touch, zero fumble, 
two rushing and receiving touchdowns. Along, um, the Titans re-signed Henry to a $10.2 million contract franchise tender offer, and they're currently working on a long-term solution. So I'm excited to see how they do uh, with another underdog playoff push with Mike Rabel in charge and how DeHenry and Tannehill play towards the end. The Colts. So the Colts last year, they went, their playoff push near the end is something that I want to see. Last year, the Colts went 7-9 with Jacoby Brissett leading the team in passing, um, Marlon Mack leading the team in rushing with 1,091 rushing yards, and Zach Pascal leading the team in receiving with 607 pass uh, receiving yards. Now comes Philip Rivers, an established NFL quarterback with way too many children, and a lackluster NFL season last year in which he threw... For 66% completions, 4,615 yards, 23 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, QB rating of 88.5, uh, the third lowest in his career, sacked 34 times, one fourth quarter comeback, two game-winning drives. Uh, he didn't really have a good season, right? Yeah, I hate to admit it, but he, he had a bad season. On the other hand, Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback for the uh, Colts last year, he had a good season, right? Completed 60, uh, 61% of the passes, which was be- uh, a little bit less. Threw for 2,942 yards, 18 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. He was much, much more careful with the ball. He threw 14 less interceptions than Phillip Rivers. Um, his average rating was 88.0, so a little bit lower than uh, Rivers. Uh-huh. Our yards per game of 196.1. He was sacked 27 times with two fourth-quarter comebacks and two game-winning drives, and an approximate value of 11. Now, the problem with Rivers in the current NFL is that quarterbacks either need to be fast or accurate. It's really good if they're both, and they can't be neither, right? He's neither. Given the disparity between both Kubiks, and although Rivers had better stats last year, I think I would choose to start Brissett next year, but I know he's not going to get started. And I'm excited to see how this quarterback dynamic affects the Colts' playoff push as they look to secure a wild card seed. The Jaguars, Yannick Ngwake. Uh, so the Jags had an interesting year last year. They went 6-10. and 10, They missed the playoffs. However, they were highlighted by LSU studs DJ Chark and Leonard Fournette. Um, Chark was selected to his first Pro Bowl. He had 1,008 receiving yards, 8 touchdowns, caught about 62% of his passes, about 8.5 yards per target, about 67.2 yards per game. And Fournette, who um, was not selected to the Pro Bowl, had 1,152 uh, rushing touchdowns, three, or 1,152 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns, had 76.8 yards per game for the receiving. He had no receiving touchdowns, 522 receiving yards, one fumble, uh, three total touchdowns, and 1,674 yards per scrimmage with about 4.9 yards per touch. Along with that, they were also led by the chalkstrap king himself, Gardner Minshew, who had a very interesting rookie year, one could say. Um, he went 6-6, six and six, completed 60.6% of his passes for 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, so a really good ratio, threw for 32.71 yards, uh, completed... Um, had about hundred, uh, had about two hundred thirty-three point six yards per game, a QB rating of ninety-one point two, sacked thirty-three times, um, and had an approximate value of ten. 
Despite these offensive playmakers, one spot that concerns me with this team and one place I will be especially looking out for is their defense and how um, they do without Yannick Nguake. So last year, their offensive ranking was 26 in points and 20th in yards, and their defensive ranking was 21st in points and 24th in yards. Um, the third man, the third year man out of Maryland has played quite well um, with the Jags. As he has two interceptions, he's started all but one of his games in his career. Uh, he's been selected to the Pro Bowl once. He has 14 forced fumbles, uh, one, um, three fumble recoveries, uh, one of them returned for a touchdown, two interceptions, one pick six, 122 combined tackles, 105 solo tackles, 17 assisted tackles, 85 quarterback hits, and 42 tackles for loss. Um... His current position is quite confusing. I heard that he was most likely franchise tagged to then he was possibly leaving. Maybe he comes join Seattle. We could use him on the defensive front. To now, there are complications about his contract. And whatever happens, I'm excited to see how it plays out. And if he leaves, how Jackson can possibly return to a hopeful Saxonville with new players amidst this subpar defense. All right, and to finish things up for the AFC, we have the AFC West. Uh, so starting with the Chiefs, uh, I think the question on everyone's mind this year is, can the Chiefs repeat? Uh, 100%, they can. I mean, will they? I don't know, but they can. They have all the talent in the world. Uh, with Tyree Kill last year as a pro bowler who had seven touchdowns, 860 receiving yards, 14.8 yards per reception, caught about 65.2% of his yards and 9.7 yards uh, receiving yards per target. Uh, he had a total of no fumbles and a proximate value of nine, um, uh, 883 yards per scrimmage and uh, yards per touch about 13.4. Travis Kelsey, who had 136 targets, 97 receptions, 1,229 yards, 12.7 yards per receptions, five touchdowns, um, 120, or no, uh, 1,233 total yards, 12.6 yards per touch, uh, one fumble, approximately a value of 13, and six total rushing and receiving yards, and then the MVP, er, and then uh, Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes, uh, showtime as he threw 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, threw 4,031 yards, completed 65.9% of all of his passes, was selected to the Pro Bowl, Sacked 17 times, a quarterback rating of 105.3 yards per game, about 287.9. One fourth quarter comeback, one game winning drive. As their offensive ranking was 5th in points, 6th in yards. Their defensive ranking was 7th in points, 17th in yards. Um, despite being down at least 10 points in every game, I'm excited to see how they play next year. However, I can't stress this enough. I want to be cautionary. I'm worried that if they keep giving up double-digit leads come playoff time against surging teams like Baltimore, Tennessee, or Buffalo, there exists a possibility. Now, I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying there exists a possibility in which my home magic runs out, which wears me. Raiders. Viva Las Vegas, baby. The Raiders are starting their new campaign in Vegas, and despite many underlying problems with the team, um, especially considering they were 24th in offensive points, 11th in offensive yards, 24th in, off in defensive points, and 19th in offensive yards, um, I'm excited to see how they do their first year in Vegas. Their first year at home, I'm expecting Gruden and Co. to put on a show that will be remembered for a long time, and I think that they'll do well. Broncos, Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton. 
the combination of Drew Lock and Corn Sutton has to be one of my favorite in the NFL, besides Wilson and Metcalf slash Lockett, Brady and Edmonds slash Godwin, Murray with Hopkins and Fitzgerald, and Allens slash Stig. Uh, both players are young. Um, last year, both players had incredible seasons, with Drew Lock completing 64.1% of the passes in only five games, going 4-1 and one in that stretch, throwing 1,020 uh, yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, 204 yards per game, quarterback rating of 89.7, sacked five times, one fourth-quarter comeback, and two game-winning drives in just five games. Corlin Sutton, um, his number one receiver, player who's been making one-hand in catches since the day he was born, first Pro Bowl season last year, he had 1,112 receiving yards, 15.4 yards per reception six touchdowns caught about 58.1 percent of all the balls nine yards per target um total yards of 1129 15.1 yards per touch total 75 touches on the ball uh, about 69.5 yards per game receiving and then philip Lindsay, an extremely underrated quarterback uh, or running back my bad who in his 2019 campaign uh, was not selected to the Pro Bowl like he was his rookie year. However, he for his total scrimmage yards, he had 1,207 yards, 7 touchdowns, 0 fumbles, an approximate value of 8, 259 touches, and 4.7 yards per touch. These three continue to, pros- to progress um, and improve, providing help for a million of Broncos fans longing for Omaha, Omaha, and the ever-fading memory of Super Bowl 50. The last team I want to talk about in the AFC are the Chargers. Um, well, it's something I'm excited for to see next year is what's next. But I really have no idea. With Rivers gone, the QB competition is open for Henry. Many speculate that Tyrod Taylor will get the job, while others believe that with the sixth pick, they could look towards a Herbert slash Tagovailoa player to lead them. Nonetheless, without Phillip Rivers, the Chargers can move forward with a new QB. And this really excites me, right? Because after all of his years in LA, Rivers is moving to Indianapolis. And their new QB and the Chargers' new QB in this system, they'll have a monster target in Keenan Allen, who last year had 1,200 receiving yards, six touchdowns, caught 70% of his passes, 75 yards per game, eight yards per target, um, 6.5 receptions per game, uh, caught 104 balls for 149 targets, uh, zero fumbles, total of six rushing receiving touchdowns, 1,215 uh, yards from scrimmage, 11.4 touches per game, or yards per touch, and then 107 total touches. So I'm excited to see how they do and how him, along with their team without Melvin Gordon, uh, with their with Derwin James and their you know somewhat solid defense, I'm excited to see how they will transition their new QB into their Chargers system. Uh, that's it for all the AFC teams. I'm going to be making a separate podcast for the NFC teams because if I combine them two, it's going to be over an hour long and I really don't think that that's necessary. So if you have a personal favorite team like the Cardinals and just go to the NFC or if you really like the Patriots, then just stick with the AFC. But I really hope you guys enjoyed. I'm going to move on to the next um, segment of the podcast in which I talk about the NFC things that I'm excited for next year. But until then, see ya.